you want to be a radical for Jesus? Well, this is Pastor David, host of Restoring Your Voice, and that's what this show is geared toward. Geared toward everyday Christians to equip you for the good works of Jesus and live out your faith radically. And I hope you enjoy this episode of Restoring, Restoring Your Voice. Alrighty then, everybody. Welcome to this week's live question and answer session with me, your host, Pastor David, here on Restoring Your Voice, where I take your Bible-based questions, and yes, this includes from anybody, all right, Christian and non-Christian alike, all right? It's, it's my goal to help people get a better understanding of the Bible, and and hey, it just might bring people to Christ, and that would be awesome. Um, but a couple quick announcements real quick. Of course, check out the website, davidcmcguire.org, davidcmcguire.org. Uh, the link is in the description, whether you're watching this uh, video or listening to this on audio podcast. Uh, also, I just uh, published a new article today, uh, so check it out. It's called An Open Letter to the American Church. I believe it is a must-read for all and especially pastors, so read it and share it. Oh, and if you would like to donate to the show, or to me, sorry, <laughs> to the ministry, uh a way for for you to do it right on the website and the link is also in the description as well it's davidcmcguire.org forward slash donate uh, so there's that and of course don't forget subscribe to the youtube channel because you may be hop, hopping over here from a different platform you know twitter or facebook whatever hit that subscribe button and make sure uh you get your notifications are sent to all so you know that when i go live all right, so that's right, I guess. Uh, oh, and that's right, I won't be doing uh, any shows uh, next week because why? I got to fly to South Africa um, on Tuesday of next week. So it's Tuesday, the 22nd of November as of this recording. And what I would like to do, however, is uh, take your questions um, ahead of time for next week and be able to answer them that way. Of course, I've course you have to post your questions so um i will probably put this out um in a post on twitter and facebook um and right here on youtube as well so that way people can get their bible-based questions answered also by the way real quickly um i i do give the ability for people to um post any questions in case you can't make the live uh q a session so that they can um indeed uh, get it, get a Bible-based question answered. Um, I'll try to be better at that and do posts on YouTube. This is posting on YouTube is kind of new to me, but um, I am ready for your best Bible-based questions, whatever they may be, on any subject, anywhere of anything in the Bible. Um, we, I, I know that covers a wide thing. Um, anything at all, creation. Uh, the book of Revelation, which I absolutely love, the book of Revelation. Um, anything at all. What, what is God's view on Israel? Is Israel important? Is is Jerusalem um, important? Um, any question at all, just put it in the comment section, and I will be more than happy to answer it um, at all. And by the way, you can ask multiple questions, by the way. I don't get a lot of people here, so... That makes it better for you right now to be able to ask questions multiple times or get clarification in case I didn't answer your question um, well enough. I am humble to admit that. 
Um, anything at all. Uh, let's see what else. Many, many topics. Where is Jesus as God in the Bible? Is, is that in the Bible? Uh, what about the Trinity? Um, what about anything at all? When do I see, what do I see in the Bible as Jesus returning? When do I, what do I see in the Bible when we're going to get raptured out um, and everything like this? Ah, Eric, 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 my brother, my brother, my brother. Yes, thank you so much for this question. This is a very relevant question, not asked often enough. And Eric here asks, what does Job teach us about suffering? Amazing right there. Um, and I love the book of Job. In fact, I've got Dr. Michael Brown's commentary on the book of Job. And if you have not bought that commentary, I highly, highly, highly uh, recommend, recommend it. But, but Job does teach us about suffering. Um, Job does teach us that suffering is normal. I mean, for anybody. Um, Job is mentioned as a righteous man in the Bible. I mean, this guy like goes the extra mile you know, he's constantly sacrificing for his, I believe, 10 children um, to cover their sins just in case, right? This guy is active. Um, and, you know, bottom line, he is a very righteous man. Right? He's mentioned this so, but yet, yet Job still suffers, right? Job still goes through suffering, which should tell us today that no matter how righteous a person is, right? It's not always a matter of lack of faith or or it's uh, or some sin in our life or, or something that suffering happens to all, right? Suffering happens to all. Now, the crazy thing about the book of Job, and by the way, this is not a prescriptive. In other words, um, it means that it's always the case all the time, by the way. Let um, me just put that out there. But we, we get a behind-the-scenes look, right, which I really love, the, love that about the book of Job. It's, I think... The book of Job is unique in that way. Um, so, but we don't always know suffering, right? Job didn't know. He he did not get a behind-the-scenes look that, that we got by reading it, right? And yet, it teaches us that suffering happens. And, and that I think a very important point is that God is still God. He's still in charge. And I mean, remember, God comes down, right? And it says, Job. Who are you to question me, right? I am the creator. I'm in charge of everything, right? I think he says, I love this. This um, probably going to not get it exactly right, but he talks about that he puts uh, the hooks in the jaws of Leviathan, right? Um, to make 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 his point, things like that. Um, also that we can remain righteous and upright in suffering. In suffering, we can remain upright. Um, in the book of Job, it says that in all of this, Job did not sin with his lips, right? Job questioned God. Job questioned things. And yet, in all of this, he did not sin. That means we don't have to go into sin during suffering because I believe there are times that people do that and they use suffering as an excuse for sin. You know, oh, I'm suffering, therefore, hmm. You know, I went through this, so I watched pornography. My, I'm, my marriage is suffering, so I, I couldn't get sex from my wife, so I turned to pornography, which is not an excuse. Um, what, what else does the, the Book of Job teaches about um, suffering? Oh boy, it teaches us that there are going to be people that come along and try to offer us bad advice, right? 
as to why we are suffering, right? And 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 that happens constantly, especially in the American church, right? Especially with the prosperity gospel preachers, right? That that our suffering is a result of something we said, perhaps, right? Oh, we we said we were sick and we didn't feel, and that's why we're not getting healed. Um, we didn't have enough faith, uh, or we didn't say the right thing. You know, we didn't name it and claim it, right? We didn't speak that we were healed and you know, all of this stuff out there that's just patently untrue, right? There, there's zero truth to any of that, but it's out there, right? So so, so I'm, I'm sure you probably know people out there just like that. I'm sure you definitely know of preachers like that out there. So you're going to get very, very bad advice. And the best thing we can do is turn to the Bible. What does God say about suffering? Um, I would highly recommend to anybody to go through the book of Job on their own. And of course, uh, use Dr. Brown's commentary along with that. I've used it uh, myself uh, in a number of times. Let's see, what else does Job teaches about suffering? Um, it teaches that there will be an end to suffering. Now, of course, for Job, he didn't know this, right? He, he didn't know this, but he did come out the other side. Now, praise God that Job got back double. Um, is that always the case for everybody? No, but Job still nonetheless came out the other side, the better. Um, and if we cling on to God, I'm telling you, as somebody who has experienced much suffering, much suffering, um, that if we cling to God, he will use that suffering. Amen. Right. It says that all things work together for the glory of God, for those that love him, right? Remember that not all things, but for those that only love him, only if you love God. But God will use that suffering for his glory. And really, at the end of the day, can we, can we do, we, sh we shouldn't want anything less or anything more than to see God glorified in all of this. Uh, okay. See, we have Eric again here. Um, I hear some talking about healing doesn't require medicine or mundane earthly things, but only faith. What does the Bible say about this? Well, okay. Uh, let's see. Where do we start with this one? Hmm. Okay. Well, first and foremost, if medicine um, doesn't, is not required or we we'll, we'll go so far as to say forbidden, Right. This is some people believe that some people believe that you shouldn't go to a doctor. And let me just pause and say that, by the way, the people, the, the famous televet televangelist, whatever you want to call them, that teaches stuff that they actually go to a doctor. They actually go to doctors, but they usually use uh, pseudonyms so that people won't find out. Um, well, first and foremost, Luke is a was a physician. Right. So in his day, he was a doctor. Um, yet he wrote two books of the Bible, the book of Luke and the book of Acts. So if going to a doctor, if taking medicine was so wrong and sinful, then why was Luke able, why did God, yeah, why, why did God allow Luke to even write these two books, these very wonderful books of the Bible? Um, also, um, in the book of James, let me go, let me just bring this up on the screen for people here. Um, let me go find it. Um, let me just get to it real quick here. 
Sorry, I got it blown up on my screen to so yeah, so that you can see it as well. Uh, do 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 do. Oh, here we go. Um, just just double checking. So bear with me for a second. Um, ah, here we go. I got it right there. So let me pull it up on a screen for you right there. I don't know why it does this thing. Okay. So hopefully you can read that. I try to blow it up as big as possible. If you can't, I can blow it up bigger. Um, but it says here in jo uh, J James um, chapter 5, verse 13, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Um, is anyone merry? Let him sing psalms. If anyone is, is anyone sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church. Okay? And let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Okay, so we have an example, um, and I actually heard a teaching on this, pretty good expository teaching, kind of kind of missed the, the whole point of the whole um, laying hands and praying, um, but the fact that, believe it or not, oil back in the day was used um, medicinally. I'm sure you, Eric, watching right now, you could probably back that up, um, but it was used in a, in, a, in a medicinal way as well, um, would be massaged into a person um so so there's that one um let's see what else um let me go look this up real quick it's going to be it's going to be uh paul writing to timothy um i'm trying to sorry i'm trying to scratch my head and this bible translation i use i love it for clarity but i can't always get the wording right um what's in it so bear with me one second as I look this up. Um, take, let's see. Oh, wine, I believe, is the phrase I can remember. Um, one second here. Ah, here it is. Right here on your screen. First uh, Timothy 5.23. Um, not, no longer drink only water, but use a little wine for your stomach's sake and your frequent illness is. So apparently Timothy has some stomach issues and other illnesses. And so Paul is telling Timothy, hey, use wine medicinally, right? Use wine uh, because back then um, they didn't have obviously all the uh, med different types of um, medicine and pills and vaccines and such um, that we have today. In fact, um, in that day, how do, how do how would I describe this? Um, the cures were quite, yeah, dangerous, weird, and a lot of times the cure was worse than the disease. <laughs> okay, so anyway, here it is. No, I'm just I just know this history. Um, yeah. Anyway, so they didn't have medicine, so they would use things like oil or wine. Um, uh, medicinally, along with some other far out there methods. Uh, but let's see, let me go back to the question here, make sure. Um, doesn't require, but only faith, right? Paul didn't write to Timothy saying, hey, um, no longer drink uh, any water, um, but have faith uh, for your stomachs and your frequent. He didn't say that. If, if, it, if, if the solution was only faith, if that was the solution to every illness, every sickness, and why is Paul writing to Timothy and telling him to take medicine? Well, obviously, then either Paul is wrong, which he's not because this is scripture, or people who say this or think this is wrong, 
Well, I'm going to decide with scripture every single time. Um, so that means anybody who believes otherwise is in, well, more than just error. Um, they have a false belief system, not just merely wrong, but a false belief system. Um, right. And, and yes, as my brother Eric here says here, um, yes, med medicinal wine usually had herbs and spices in it too, like, like mulled wine. Um, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, uh, wonderful, wonderful questions. Um, yeah. Um, apologize to everybody if you can't, if you, if you're unable to, uh, make it at this time, but I had to adjust, adjust the time. Um, because I have a follow-up doctor's appointment from my back surgery um, later today. So that's why I'm doing it earlier. Okay. So oh, yeah, opening up a new tab. Um, so let me go back to this view and take that off the screen. Oh, of course it doesn't work. Anyway. So yeah, lots of, lots of great questions so far. No problem at all with it. Um, yeah, we have, we have lots and lots of topics to cover. Um, in the Bible, from the Bible, um, many, 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 many things. Um, in fact, if you want to, by the way, let me just say, if you want to uh, know what exactly the Bible has to say in detail, in depth about homosexuality, then um, I, I posted my sermon notes on my website. So davidcmcguire.org, free download for you. I, I put it there as a PDF document so, so you can download those notes for you, for your use, right, um, on what God exactly has to say about homosexuality. Um, just scroll all the way down, on, I try, right on the homepage, right? I, I try to make navigation easy. Scroll all the way down, um, and the notes are down at the bottom for you, all right? These are for your use, all right? Just, just want to make that uh, abundantly clear. Let's see what. Let's see, what about, how about this question? I'm sure people are asking it. And by the way, let me just say once again, I just posted an article, a blog, it's a new blog, so check it out on the website. Um, if you're signed up for to receive emails, hopefully you received an email about my blog that was published just uh, today. Um, anyway, what about this? Well, let's talk about, can you be a Christian and support this marriage protection act right i'm sure this question abounds now um there's a person david french who recently published an article in support saying we, we could absolutely be in agreement and don't worry everything's going to be fine uh, well what does the bible actually have to say about this well it's clear we are one in the world but not of the world Okay, the Marriage Protection Act, which is an oxymoron, is, by the way, um, goes against God's standard for marriage. So can we live and let live then? Don't worry. Um, you get your rights, right? And they're not going to infringe upon my rights. Well, never mind that is a blatantly false lie, as we've seen in recent years, um, where slowly but surely the big government is trying to take away our religious liberties right joe biden um ran on a ran on a platform that said he would uh that churches would have to 
perform same-sex marriages would have to hire LGBTQ plus people. Um, so, but the world, but Jesus says, what does light have to do with dark? So no, we can't support it. And no Christian, no true Christian, let me say it that way, would ever be in support or have a live and let live mentality for this marriage protection act period period um in the book of ephesians chapter 5 11 um paul makes this abundantly clear that we are supposed to in fact expose um things like this to the light we're supposed to confront it and expose it for what it is so there you go um those are my brief thoughts on that so eric again here asks um the old testament seems to allude to a trinity with yahweh sure the angel of Yahweh and the spirit of Yahweh being treated as three distinct persons, but still Yahweh, correct? Um, does this show a trinity in the Old Testament? Absolutely. Um, oh, the first place we would go to for that is, um, let me go in the beginning. All right. Um, and to the book of Genesis then. Uh, I'm going to make it easy. Here it is. So Genesis 1.26 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image. So this is not God speaking to angels, right? This is not him speaking to a heavenly court. That's that's patently wrong and false. Um, I don't care what kind of scholars say otherwise. This is this is God speaking. The Trinity speaking to one another, right? So let me let me make that point abundantly clear first and foremost. Now let's go back really to the beginning. Beginning, um, let me go to the read full chapter. Um, let's see. Ah, so in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Um, the earth was formless and void. The darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the water. So we have. We have the Spirit of God, right? In in the Hebrew, it would be the Ruach Elohim, um, which is the Spirit of God. Uh, so we have God mentioned as the Holy Spirit here. Okay. Then I then if we just scroll, go down to the end of Genesis one, it says, "Let us make man in our own image." Okay. So now that's God in plurality. Okay. Then we have. Uh, the examples of let me just let me just go here. Um, angel of the uh, Lord. Okay, we have many examples. That's kind of bring up a lot. So we have, um, yeah, we we have mentioned. I mean, there is a. By the way, when you see angel of the Lord out, in case you don't know the term, it's called a Christophany. So they are Christophanies. In other words, they are examples of the pre-incarnate Jesus in the Old Testament. And you say, well, maybe that's just an angel. Okay. Um, just scrolling down here, Genesis 16, uh, 7, 16, 9, um, Genesis 16, 10. Um, and I'll, uh, let's see. Again, 1611, this is the angel of the Lord. This is a pre-incarnate Jesus talking to Abraham. Um, angel of the Lord again. 
Um, and by the way, all these times that you see the angel of the Lord is treated differently than any other angel. Um, there, there are moments in the book of Judges in the story of Gideon bowing down and worshiping this angel of the Lord that shows up to Gideon. Uh, we see him mentioned in the book of Joshua. Um, so, by the way, that also points to as points to Jesus and not Michael that is in charge of heaven's armies, by the way. Um, Jesus is the commander. Why? Because um, Joshua has to take off his sandals because he's on holy ground. Again, with uh, in the book of Exodus, um, where finally the name Yahweh, the covenant name of God, of the Lord, is mentioned to um, Moses. Um when it says that the angel of the Lord is in the burning bush and he's, Moses says, well, who, who'd I, who'd I say that you are? Who, what, what's your name? Right. And he says, Yahweh, right. Yahweh. I am that I am, or I am what I will be. And I am who I will be. In other words, it's, it's, it's a packed phrase. That's for eternity. Let me see. Then we go through, um, aha, uh -huh, my favorite one. And we go through, um, you go again in the book of Genesis. This is Genesis chapter 19. Um, oops, Genesis 19. Let me scroll down here. This is Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, notice it says, well, first in, in the first verse, it says two angels. Um, nothing is mentioned. Um, they come to Lot. No mention of him worshiping. Um, let's see. But then we come here. Uh, going Scrolling down, scrolling down. Um, Sorry, it's really blown up on my screen in case people are wondering what is taking me so long. Um, let's see. Then, uh-huh, Abraham got up early. There we go. Now we're getting to the right one. So, uh, here we go. Um, dang it. I'm not used to seeing it blown up like this in case you're wondering. Ah, here it is. Uh, you know. Oops. Bear with me here one second. Mm. Okay. Uh, let's see. Here it is. So, Genesis, Genesis um, 19, verse 24. And it says, Then the Lord rained brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah. It was from the Lord out of heaven. By the way, if you look it up in the Hebrew, which I have looked it up, by the way, the Lord there. So each time you see that right there, the Lord and the Lord, it is the covenant name of God mentioned, the name of Yahweh. So it, so, so in other words, you could read it as, then Yahweh rained brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah. It was from Yahweh um, out of heaven. All right. So two lords mentioned, right? Two Yahweh's mentioned, not as in Yahweh in heaven and because he's omnipresent, he could do it there at the same time. Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm. You know, you'll never find an example of that version of, of things. I guess you would, could call it perhaps modalism in a way. Um, anywhere in the Bible, period, the end, to, to, um, to make that point, okay, uh, three distinct. All right, we talk, so we talked about the angel of the Lord. Uh, we talked about spirit of the Lord. 
Um, of course, God ref also refers to himself as a father. Oh, Lordy, multiple times throughout the scriptures, um, it, especially in, in the prophets. Um, I believe in definitely in Isaiah and Jeremiah. Um, I can't think of all the other places that he mentions himself as father. Um, so, yeah, the Trinity is not as explicit as it is in the New Testament. But never, yeah, but nevertheless, you know, yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, court, and that not only maybe perhaps semi modalism, but also semi Arianism. Correct. Okay, for the audience out there, in case you're wondering, what the heck does that mean? Okay, Arianism comes from um, Arian, all right, who, who did not believe that God was triune, um, and he was only one. Um, so he was condemned as a heretic um, and punched in the face by old St. Nick. So I guess St. Nick wasn't always jolly. <laughs> um, and then modalism is the belief that, that it's God, the father, then he chooses to be God, the son, then he chooses to be God, the Holy spirit. So he, he takes on different personas at times. And um, both of those beliefs have already been condemned um, long ago by the early church as um, heresy. Um, so it is what it is, folks. For all you folks out there who might say, well, here, here, here's an interesting one. This is one I, I saw on Twitter, a very good answer to it, by the way. So you say, well, the Trinity is false. It was That belief didn't come about until the Council of Nicaea. They're the ones that, that put that belief in there. Well, no, 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 not at all. Now, while the word Trinity is not used, we use it today to sum up a theological belief. Now, just like you won't find the word rapture explicitly mentioned in the scriptures, but we use it yet again um, to as a one word to describe something in the Bible. Um, but as I just proved already in the Old Testament alone, we can prove the Trinity of God um, with just the Old Testament, by the way. Um, never mind that it is explicit in the New Testament with at when you see the baptism of Jesus, when you see Jesus getting baptized, the Father speaking to to about Jesus, you know, this is my son, and then the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit descending upon Jesus. So you see that is probably the best example of the trinity in the new testament right in her face that says it's true and so no um the council of nicaea did not come up with this belief system nor is it a the roman catholic church came up with this belief system that is patently false um you can find um the trinity in early church documents you can find it i believe it's in the didache um and, and um other other uh, early church documents. So she wants to debunk that that myth. Um, so there, um, yeah, he's acting. Have you read? Have people? Have these people read the canons of the Council of Nicaea? No, they haven't. And actually, uh, that's a problem with uh, most people today is that they are intellectually lazy and they are unwilling to research. And that is why I tell my audience, don't take what I tell you at face value. 
Um, always fact check me. And I am not your source of Bible study, by the way. The Bible is your source of Bible study, not me. Um, like I said, yeah, people are intellectually lazy. I guarantee that most have not written, written, uh, read, for instance, the Dedicate. I might post i should probably post that on my website as well for people to read it's a free download you can find it anywhere on the internet um they probably haven't read the uh Athanasian creed either probably nothing like that never bothered to actually be students right as, as the bible commands us to be right to show ourselves approved study to show yourself a workman not ashamed it right Study the word of God, study church history, study early church fathers. Um, and by the way, don't do that to try to with a confirmation bias either. Um, don't do that because you can find a you can find an early church father that will agree with you while there are others that disagree with you. So don't ever study with confirmation bias. That is a dangerous way to study the Bible. Okay. So, so, I love answering questions. I hope I've been doing an okay job of it. Mm. Yeah. So, um, Eric says here about Arian. Um, Arius. I said Arian. Arius. Sorry. I called him Arian. It's Arius. Um, he demoted Christ to a created being, an emanation that had a beginning that only came into being at the incarnation. Correct. Which is what we find today in other circles. Um, so, you know, this unit, what we call today Unitarianism is nothing new. As we know, there's nothing new under the sun. There's no, there's no new heresy today. It's just old heresies repackaged. That's all. That's all they are. That's all they are. I guarantee if you study church history um, and, you know, study church history, study Reformation history, you will find that things that, are around heresies that are around today are nothing new nothing new same heresy with a different ribbon or box that's it that's it so anyway like i said great questions wonderful questions uh, let me let me remind you um if you I, I would like to record a show on question and answer session um so be on the lookout for that post wherever you are on social media, by the way, um, I will try to post it at the very least here on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter um, so that you can post your Bible-based questions for me to record on Fridays when I would hope to be able to do this. But I can't do that unless you ask me questions. Um, anyway, I hope to record it, that and that will air probably, yeah, Tuesday, the Tuesday that I'm actually flying out. Um, to South Africa. So, all right then. Um, oh man, we could we could go through. Hmm, how about this one? Here, here's a good question. God is love, and that's his primary attribute. Is that true or not? Is that true or not? Let me see. So I'll get to Eric's question in a second here. I love that question I'm seeing right here, and I'll get to it. So let me go to Revelation chapter one. By the way, folks, if you steer clear of studying it because you think it's too difficult to understand, you're missing out. The book of Revelation, by the way, starts out, um, blessed is he who reads 
and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it. By the way, this is the only book of the Bible that says, hey, if you read this book, you're blessed. So anyway, so like I said, is, is this true? Is, is that God's primary attribute? Love. Okay. Uh, let me scroll down. Um, I know where I'm going. I'm um, just trying to keep. Uh, when I, ah. Uh, oh, okay. This is really weird. So um, bear with me. Uh, actually, let me, let me just do it this way real quickly. Uh, bear with me one second. Oh, here we go. So anyway, Revelation 4. So Revelation 4, scroll down. Uh, da, 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 da. Okay, so it says here in Revelation 4, starting in verse 8, the four living creatures had six wings each, and they were covered with eyes all around. All day, all night, so this means all the time, without ceasing, they were saying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. So then therefore, uh, oh, I'm going to put it back on the screen here. Um, there we go. Should be on the screen. Let me just scroll down a little bit more. Ah, so the primary attribute of God is not love, but holy. That is what they cry out. They cry out nothing else other than holy, holy, holy. So therefore, I mean, is it God... Is, is love one of God's attributes? Yeah, but it's not the primary attribute, which which brings into, into of course, and that means not everybody gets to heaven. Um, God is loves us, but He was He was angry, and He will, and He is ready to punish those who do not repent. By the way, that's all in my new article today, so go check it out. Um, so therefore, there we go. Okay, so Eric asks again. What does the Bible say on the presence of Christ when we come together during the Eucharist? I know where you got that from, right? Because this is, by the way, um, going back, which is why I said, tell people to study. Um, this is a, a debate that Luther had with uh, Zwingli um, during the Reformation. So Luther, former Roman Catholic, came to salvation, right? Uh, no longer held that the Eucharist became the very literal body and blood of Jesus Christ. And oh, by the way, let me just back up real quick. That Luther went, uh, that his very first time um, giving the Eucharist was so nervous he could barely do it. He was, he was like, I don't think nervous quite gets to the point of how Luther felt inside and so afraid of doing this wrong because um, he, then he thought it was the very literal body and blood of Christ and he was deathly afraid of, of getting it wrong. Um, and so anyway, Luther changed his mind when it came to salvation, rightly. So that God is present um, when we take the Eucharist. And Zwingli said, no, Luther, no way, Jose. It, it's, it's just symbolic. That's all. Nothing to it. And they, and they went back and forth um, um, sparring verbally, if you will. So anyway, just wanted to give some background, um, perhaps where this question might arise. So what does the Bible say about the presence of Christ when we come together during the Eucharist, right? Is, is it true? 
Yeah, I absolutely believe. Well, one, we know that God is omnipresent. In other words, he's everywhere all the time. So that alone to me says that Jesus is present. Um, there are other verses in the Bible. Let me just uh, let me just think. Let me just look this up real quick. Make sure I know what I'm talking about. I could be wrong in this, and I'd rather I'd rather um, be humble enough and look things up rather than come across and say something that I am patently wrong in. Um, there I am. Let me just double check. So I'd rather fact check myself. Um, nope, that's Matthew 18. Talks about church discipline. Um, okay, let me try. Let me try another source. Bear with me here. Let's go to. Um, try to think real quick. Um, oh, do this in me. All right, let's go there. So, Jesus remembers of me. Um. And by the way, many people, and rightly so, hold to the Eucharist or word now escapes me. Ah, communion as um them. Yeah, I was already thinking of Matthew 18, 20, but yet that's not that's not what it applies to. It applies to church discipline. Um, which I could unpack that in, in another answer. Um but yeah, when we gather together, um Jesus remembers of me. Um, I'm looking up real quickly. Bear with me. Ah, here we go. First Corinthians. So first Corinthians, I believe is, uh, chapter 11 is, is a good source for this. So let's, let's go there together. First Corinthians 11. We'll do, we'll go there together. Let me scroll all the way down. Um, just one second. Um, for there must be factions. Therefore, when you come together into one place, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. Now he's rebuking them. Um, yep. Got it pulled up. Chapter 17. Chapter. Y'all have to tell me which chapter, what book of the Bible is chapter 17. Um, here we go. Thinking about the Lord's Supper. He's giving a description of. Uh, okay, verse 17. Got it. So when you come together, right? This is them coming together. Um, as often um as 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 you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Um therefore, whoever eats unworthily um drinks damnation, not discerning the Lord's body. Hmm. But when we are judged, we are disciplined. Yeah. Um, so this is they're coming in. Jesus also may have said, by the way, that I will never leave you nor forsake you. Lo, I am with you always until the end of the earth. Um, so this might be, I might be doing a bad job of this. Um, so forgive me if I am. Um, but I believe, yeah, the Lord is present. He's present when we gather. Right, we're we're his institution on earth. I, and I think Matthew 18, um, 20, um, this one right here, um, could be applied uh, in that sense. The primary um the primary interpretation of this verse is when the elders come together uh to enact church discipline upon uh, another member. Um 
But yeah, that's okay. I don't mind complicated. I don't mind. I'll be humble enough to say, hey, I can't. I mean, I mean I'm not providing the best answer right now, so you have to bear with me. But yeah, yeah, exactly. In my name, I am. I am there uh, among them. Yeah, I believe we could also apply this to when we gather together in church as well. Not only, not only just in this sense of church discipline, but I like to always make sure that um, when when I give a an interpretation of the Bible, I, I try to give the the primary um, exegetical meaning of it first and foremost. Um, so there we go. So yeah, it is a complicated answer, but it's one that was hotly debated between uh, Luther and Zwingli. Uh, like I said, um, I believe that that yes. Jesus is very present. Um, I, here, here, here's a good here's a good analogy. I like analogies. I like simple, right? So God is omnipresent. He's all. He's everywhere at all times, right? Yet, we as Christians will set aside a time in a day to meet with Him. It's called prayer time. So, so you say, well, why would we need to do that if God is everywhere at all times? And you would be right partially but see we still make that time to specifically meet alone together with the lord amen um by the way i see another viewer watching so if you want to have a question go put it put in put in the box now we got about 15 minutes left um i'm sorry in the chat anyway so same thing we gather together as a body of believer right we gather together in church. You say, well, we can gather any other time, right? Right. Isn't like, say, if we meet up for coffee or whatever else, isn't that the same thing? No, it's not set aside time specifically to honor the Lord. You see, we're setting aside that time. And that's the best analogy that um, I could come up with to simplify things um, to this answer. Um, and I'm sure which I have not specifically read any thing like pamphlets that Luther actually wrote on this specifically. Um, I'm just, I just know um, the, the debate that was going on between him and Zwingli um, over this. So I think, I think that'll give uh, the best example. And um, like I said, my apologies if I couldn't unpack the scriptures more deeply. All right, so Eric, so yeah, so Scott, you can ask a question too, by the way, any Bible-based question whatsoever. So I saw a person state the sayings of Paul are subordinate to Jesus. Oh, Lord. If Paul's writings are also Scripture, why wouldn't they have the same way of, as the Gospels? Isn't Paul in harmony with Scripture? Absolutely. Why? Because Paul said himself, writing, that all Scripture is God-breathed and profitable. See, as you said, all Scripture. Now, I know that primarily means the Old Testament because as of his writings, they weren't yet codified um, as part of the New Testament. But, but let me say this, that when Paul's letters went into circulation, they already started to be used as scripture. So even before Paul, Paul was martyred, already at that time, his letters were being considered as scripture. So if Paul is somehow subordinate, in other words, I guess his letters are less inspired. 
But none of them, also the fact that none of them contradict anything that Jesus ever said. I look, here's the way I look at Paul's writings. Um, so you have his letters to the churches. Then you have what's called the pastoral epistles, first and second Timothy in the book of Titus. Um, basically exegetical teachings. Now I know there's rebukes in there, but all uh, every rebuke and correction to various churches that Paul listed was nothing different than what was already in the Bible, whether it was something that Jesus said or something in the Old Testament. So nothing Paul says ever contradicts scripture. So hey, if people want to believe it, believe it all yourself, but that means you just took away from the word of God and that comes with a very serious warning. Already Scott, Leviticus, question about Leviticus, one of my favorite books of the Bible. I guess I'm kind of weird that way. I said, I'm in Leviticus during my quiet time. Um, you read Leviticus, what does God speak to you? Yeah, yeah, like I said, I, I absolutely adore the book of Leviticus. Um, I see a lot of things in Leviticus. Actually, we see, so what people will say uh, that, for instance, we're in the dispensation of grace, patently false. Already, as you read the different laws in Leviticus, you see God's grace already there. Um, Leviticus talks about how they should treat the sojourner in the land. Um, so be kind to the strangers already. This is pre-Jesus, by the way. This is pre-New Testament. Um, Leviticus tells me wh exactly what laws are for Israel, what laws are for everybody for all time. We can find this example in Leviticus chapters 8 and 20, where God is telling the Israelites um, these sins that he is about to punish those dwelling in the land of Canaan for. So none of those, none of the sins listed there are, for instance, dietary laws, clothing laws, any of the other laws what's listed there are known as the moral laws and so we see um any type of sexual immorality whatsoever um bestiality homosexuality um can't think of the word that escapes me but you know having sex with family members things like that all listed in there as sin for all time uh to include child sacrifice is also listed in those two chapters um right there so so we can also like i said we can get we can definitely differentiate, okay, what laws were only for Israel? What laws are for everybody for all time? Uh, we see that a lot of our laws that we have here in America and in general in the West um, are taken from Leviticus. By the way, if you want a better explanation of this, Chosen People Ministries has a wonderful um, examination of this exact topic. Um, so yeah, incest. There you go. Um, let's see. So yeah, I get a lot from Leviticus. I see why God did these things. Um, I see that God had to add more laws because Israel, you know, kept disobeying him. We see a lot of the book of Leviticus repeated in the new Testament. Um, I don't have the time to, um, show all the examples, um, but any Bible with a concordance should show you. In fact, go to, go Bible Gateway should show you this, by the way. Um, so there, yeah. So great question. Absolutely. Like I said, I'm, 
I guess I'm I'm nerdy like that, and I just love the Book of Leviticus, and I don't I don't find it schlepped at all to read through um, at all. Um, yeah, you know, and all by the way, um, part of those dietary laws that were listed in Leviticus is repeated in the Book of Acts, chapter fifteen, when the Jews had to come together and say, "Hey, these these Gentile converts, what are we supposed to do with them? Should they?" obey all that we've obeyed should we obey all of these um ceremonial laws what 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 do we do with these things and what's mentioned in there is not to eat anything that has been strangled and not to eat anything with blood in it by the way that's for christians for all time so that means if you like your steaks rare you're not you're already wrong and disobedient to the bible because it's not supposed to eat something with blood in it. So let's see. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Eric here says, Jesus said um, the father had to compromise with Israel over divorce because, yeah, exactly. Um, Jesus, you know, I guess this question asked about divorce. Um, he tells he tells them um, it, this was not supposed to be so, but it was because of the hardness of your hearts. Um, so that's why, if you wonder, there's so many laws explaining Everything, it was because of the hardness of Israel's hearts. So very, very great questions. Hey, Eric got the lion's share. If you want the lion's share of questions or you want your questions answered in, hey, hop on during, during the live stream. Um, like I said, this is a YouTube exclusive question and answer session. Um, so there. Um, well, yeah, wonderful questions today. Wonderful questions. Um, like I said, Quick reminder, I won't be, I will be flying to South Africa, me and my wife, uh, next week, Tuesday. So, yeah, next week, literally next week, we will be on a plane flying to South Africa. So, we appreciate your prayers. Also, this is, we were going there to pick up my son, our son, um, and bring him back home, bring him back to America. Um, but also, I'm going to have the opportunity to bring the word while I'm over there. Praise God. What a wonderful opportunity. Um, so, please pray for me. In that regard as well, um, I'm looking forward to bringing the word um, over there um, in my mother-in-law's house. We're going to have a meeting there, so we're going to have a house church session there as well. Um, don't forget to check out my latest blog if you haven't yet, or my article. I like to call it article blog. kind of sounds weird. Anyway, it's on my website, davidcmaguire.org, davidcmaguire.org. Um, if you were, I hope, if you're signed up, for my mailing list that you received something in your inbox about it. Um, I'm not sure how that's working. Um, I was kind of ran out of freebie space to send out newsletters. So I'm not sure if that affects if, if people get uh, automatic updates in their inbox or not. So like I said, unfortunately I have to, if I want to send out newsletters uh, myself, I have to pay for that. And that's, I can't, I, I just can't afford it right now. Um, so if you're wondering, why do, why do, why do you ask for donations? So I can help you out. So, you, so I can give things like newsletters to you out there. That's the reason why I ask, you know, people don't realize that all of this costs money, by the way. And I'm not trying to beg for money here. I'm just making a quick point that just me broadcasting alone right now, I have to pay to stream. All right. Just to, to make a graphic, I pay for that. Um, so none of this is free. None of this is, is cheap. And I'm not doing that to try to guilt you into anything. I'm just trying to let, let you know there are costs involved. Um, the website costs. Um, if I want to 
be able to send out newsletters to you, it's going to cost me extra. So right now I can't afford that on my own. So if you want more content, that's what I keep saying. If you want more content, if you want more, if you want better content, then, then don't sit back and complain about the content. Help me out. All right. Just, it's on my website. One easy place to donate. Just right there. You know, you don't have to, obviously. I'll keep doing this as much as I can. Um, um, I, I, I said, hey, I, I said I, I, I endeavor to keep all my content free for everybody. I've kept to my word. I plan on keeping to my word in that regard. Like I, I, I put out a free e-course, absolutely free on biblical mental health. Free for you, right? Because I keep saying, but just because... I endeavor to keep it free for you doesn't mean it's free for me to produce the content. Um, heck, just to edit, make video edits, you know, the short videos you may see that cost money um, just to edit videos. So just, just putting that out there to let you know, there are actually costs involved that I know before I was doing this, I never even thought about it. It never once crossed my mind. Um, so anyway, well, okay. So, well, yeah, anyway, appreciate everybody's, um, questions um hope um, i was able to give you some good answers uh, so yeah with that then we'll end this q a session um and i will see you all again later